Hey, where are you going, Jim? The elevator's over here. Taking the stairs. But our meeting's up on 8. Yeah, I know. But that's eight floors up. That's like eight times eight. I don't A lot of stairs. That's the point. I've already lost a few pounds and earned almost $100 in wellness incentives. Whoa, you're getting rewarded for working out? Yeah, I know. I'm just as surprised as you are, Bob. Fearless is full of surprises. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits and sign up at fepblue.org slash choose blue by December 11th. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com. Part of the Scout.com network, which brings some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you can find anywhere. First of all, thank you for listening and helping make this the fastest growing podcast network in America. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and the Android app. And please check out the rest of the great Lockdown Network, which includes Lockdown Fantasy, Lockdown NFL, and Lockdown Cowboys to get you ready for Sunday's game. In today's show, it's the return of Mike Pinnell and Dimitri Goodson from suspension. It's the stellar play of the offensive line and some injury updates from Mike McCarthy on Monday. But first, it's first down, and what on earth are the Packers going to do at punter? And the answer to that question is nothing. The Packers are going to stick with Jacob Shum. Packers coach Mike McCarthy made that pretty clear on Monday at his Monday evening press conference, and here's what he said. We just need to punt it better. I'm not a big fan of changing players in midstream. He's new here, and we, and we just need to punt the ball better. We need to cover the ball the way we're supposed to cover it. Coverage is really a strength of our special teams. Was last year, was the first three games, and we didn't do a very good job last night. So that'll be a big emphasis for us as we move into the Dallas game. Two things here. One, McCarthy said he's new. Look, I'm not a punter. I, I did, although I did, well, A, I, I did slip at a Holiday Inn Express recently, and I did want a punt, pass, and kick competition when I was a kid. But the, he's new here. I don't, I don't understand that. I mean, that's the, the first thing I thought of, that doesn't make any sense. And it, it reminded me of when Jared Cook talked to us on Friday about the, the chicken wing and the, the chicken head incident. And the person at Buffalo Wild Wings told Jared that that's proof that his chicken is fresh. Well, how is, how is getting a chicken head proof that your chicken is fresh? Well, it's the same thing here. Just because, he, I mean... Shum's been punting before. I mean, he, he didn't just, he's not a, a new punter. I mean, he's been punting for years. So, why, I mean, why, why has his punting been so bad? Anyways, that's what he said. I, I looked, at, looked at the numbers last night. This is, this is, headed, this is before the, the Monday night game. Shum ranked 31st out of 33 punters in average with 40.4 average. He's 22nd in net with a net of 38. You know, if there's a, if there's a, Silver lining here, and you, and you got to look pretty hard. Only of his 15 punts, only four have been returned. So that I, I think I think that's a good number. Now some of that is, well, he's had some pretty decent hang time on some, and some of the he's had some punts that are so bad that they haven't been fielded. So that, that there's some of that is in play too. Now I know there's a lot of people who wanted the Packers to get rid of Tim Massey, and we're pretty happy that when they did get rid of Tim Massey. And I, and I said in this podcast a thousand times this summer. The only, number that matter, the only number that matters is net punting average. And he was the best the Packers have ever had. So here's the numbers. In six years, Mastay averaged 44.2 yards per punt, and his net average was 39. And uh, the 39 net is a franchise record, and he owns the five best single-season net punt averages in Packers history. 
Uh, he tied it in 2010, broke it in 11, broke it again in 12, broke it again in 13, he had a subpar 14, and then he broke it again last year with a net average of 40.2. So, so again, there's Massey last year, 40.2, Shum this year at uh, 38. So that's a difference of four yards. So you know what? I mean, you, you can say that too. Four yards. I mean, are, are we going to quibble over four yards? Well, you know, I, I pointed this out in our podcast with Keith yesterday. If the best Jacob Shum can do is a 36-and-a-half-yard average on a chilly night in October, what on earth is he going to do when it's 20 degrees and snowy? Or, you know, you know, these guys get a playoff game and they get one in the, in the, in the cold front comes in and you like that, like that Giants game a couple years ago when it was minus one at kickoff. What's he going to do in that? With Mastay, you knew what he was going to do, and he, was, he would be able to deliver a credible punt. And I'm not sure about that. I don't know that this guy's got the leg to do it, to be honest with you. Yeah, his special teams coordinator, Ron Zook, also yesterday. And Zook said, quote, I feel a little bit bad for the guy because he's... A, un, excuse me, I'll start that over. I feel a little bit bad for the guy because he's a little bit under the microscope, obviously, with what's going on around here the last few years. But you look at their punter. He shanked one yesterday. And if you look around the league, there's been some guys who do that too. But obviously, he has to punt better. I think he knows that. He'll be the first one to tell you, like I told him today, you can do it. He's shown that he can do that. It's just a consistency thing. Obviously, field position is key for us. He's got to punt it down there and give us a chance to cover it, and we have to go down and cover it. One more thing on that. I'll go back to one more thing that McCarthy said. He says, I'm not a big fan of changing players in midstream. Well, I'll say one thing on that, and, and that first of all, that, that comment aggravated a lot of you. I, got, I mean, I got a lot of that on Twitter. I'm not going to defend it. I'm not saying that what they're doing is right, but I will say this. When Mason Crosby was struggling in 2013, the Packers stuck with them and they got rewarded. Now, obviously, it's a little different because they had a, they had a track record with Crosby. They'd seen him do it. So, yeah, it is certainly is different than what's going on here with Jacob Shum. But I will say that they have been rewarded at times by being patient. Now, with that said, I, I wouldn't think that they're going to have a whole lot of patience for, for Shum here. I mean, punters really are a dime a dozen position. As long as you can get the chemistry with the the kicker, the holder, the snapper holder kicker chemistry figured out. And yeah, I think as, as Crosby and Shum showed here this year, you know, maybe some of that's overblown. Crosby hasn't missed a kick this year. And I don't think he's close to missing a kick either. He's been pretty much splitting the uprights in all of his. So I, I think I think you have to be at least a little um, concerned about changing the chemistry there, but you know, I think the Crosby has shown that, that he can adapt to that pretty well. What a Wisconsin sporting weekend coming up. Ohio State at Wisconsin, Saturday night. Dallas at Green Bay, Sunday afternoon. You want to go, don't you? Well, here's how you do it. Go to SeatGeek. With SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the seats that you want for a great value. SeatGeek has the best deals on every ticket in the house, wherever you want to sit. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats for this weekend or any other weekend of the season. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. 
you'll immediately see any underpriced tickets and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee. Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate on their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your rebate on tickets, first, download the SeatGeek app, then go to the Settings tab and click Add a Promo Code, and then you plug in my promo code, which is L-O-Packers. L for locked, O for on, Packers. Then SeatGeek will send you $20 if you've made your first ticket purchase. So download the SeatGeek app right this second. Well, actually, listen to this podcast, then do it. Then enter the promo code L-O-Packers today. On a second down, and the Packers should get a little bit better this week with the return of Mike Pinnell and Dimitri Goodson from suspension. For, for Pinnell, it was four games for substance abuse. For Goodson, four games for performance-enhancing drugs. During a suspension, they can do everything besides play and go to the games in practice. You know, a few years ago, when you were suspended, you were suspended, as in get out of Dodge, buddy. But I think that was a good change to let these guys hang around the team. I think Pinnell is going to be a really big addition. And I realize this defense has been great without him, run defense-wise. But Pinnell is a hell of a good player. 2015, he basically was a co-starter with Latroy Guyon in the nickel package. It was, it was Mike Daniels was one guy. Then it was Pinnell and, and Guyon in sort of a timeshare. So Pinnell had five starts. 35 tackles, one sack, two tackles for losses. His rate of uh, one tackle for every 8.40 snaps was the best on the whole D-line. He's a really good run player, but he also chipped in seven pressures, which is more than all which is more than all but Mike Daniels among the defensive line. Three quarterback hits. And when he was on the field, teams averaged uh, uh, 0.11 uh, yards less per carry. Um, and when he was a, a rookie 2014, that was about a half a yard. So he's been a, a really good run player who showed some pass ability last year. And I, and I thought really stepped up that phase of the game in training camp this summer. I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to go out and get six sacks this year, but he's got the ability to press the, to, uh, to press the pocket a bit. So I, I, think, I think he's got a chance to, to really help this defense. Pinnell was listed at 332 last year. He's less than 330 now. Here's what he said about that yesterday. I feel like it'll just make me a little more explosive, which is what I wanted to add to my game. And that's probably the hardest thing to do as a professional athlete is get more explosive. I know my body feels a lot better being a little bit lighter, and we'll see if that shows up on the field. I asked uh, D-line coach Mike Turgovac about Pennell last week, and he was, he was really complimentary with how, about how Pennell stayed involved. Here's what, here's what uh, Turgovac said. The thing I've been impressed with is how much in meetings and stuff He's talking to players and seeing things. One of the things he and I talked about was every week, he's got to focus like he's playing, prepare like he's playing, and he's done that. It's not like he's sat up there and he doesn't know what Jacksonville did and what the run tendencies are and stuff like that. He's done a great job of staying focused, and that was one of the big things he and I talked about, was every week he's been out, he's got to prepare like he was going to be in that game. Uh, I, I would think Goodson, turning to Goodson here, he's going to help the special teams unit and finally, that group's going to be at full speed. I mean, their top four guys last year were Jeff Janis, Chris Banjo, J. Ron Elliott, and Goodson. Now they finally got them all. You remember Banjo and, and uh, Elliott missed the first two games with hamstring injuries, and Janis played with a broken hand for three games. So now well, those guys are all healthy, and now you add Goodson to this mix. I think it helps. I'm, I'm not sure where Goodson fits at corner. At some point, Shields will be back from that concussion. Uh, Demarius Randall will be back from the grunt injury. 
Then Quentin Rollins, Ladarius Gunter played so well last week, and Micah Hyde once again showed that he can fill in in a, fill in in a pinch. And there's also undrafted rookie Josh Hawkins. Now, to get those two guys in the roster, what do you do? Well, with Pinnell, you, you figure it's going to be either Brian Price or Christian Ringo. You know, probably Price just based on the transactions. Remember, Christian Ringo made the roster out of camp. Then Price is a late addition off the practice squad here a couple weeks ago. So you figure they would they would release Price for one. The Goodson move, I don't... Two things here. Will it be Josh? Will, will it be Hawkins? And, you, and, you know, him being an undrafted rookie, you, you probably feel like, you know what, they can cut him and get him back to the practice squad. Here's the wild card here, though. Could it be Jared Aberderis? Me and uh, Rob Demosky from ESPN were talking about that the other day. They've got seven receivers on the roster. They don't need seven receivers on the roster. And in the last two games, Aberderis has played zero snaps on offense. I'm not sure he got off the bench at all on, on Sunday night against the Giants. So I, I don't know what his role is. And as much as they say, just you know, the coaches say he just got to keep doing what he's doing, and, and the time will come. It has to come. He had a great camp. He had a great preseason. He should have returned punts. At this point, he's not playing offense. They got rookie receiver Trevor Davis returning punts, and Trevor Davis, he had a shot for a big return. Yes, on, on Sunday night, and he just ran it wide, totally missed the blocking. And in, I'm going off on a tangent here, but you know, here's here's the kid Davis. He didn't return punts at. At uh, Cal, he, he did a little bit at, Ho- at Hawaii really early in his college career, but, did, but didn't do it at Cal. And I thought that play really showed his inexperience at that, where he just took it wide and tried to outrun everybody. Look, buddy, this is the NFL. You can't outrun everybody. And Trevor Davis has got speed, but I mean, he's he's not like an Olympic class speed. I mean, he was a you know the, the team the team had him, had him at his pro day in the four threes, which is fast. But you know, just because you got four three speed doesn't mean you're going to outrun everybody because everybody else can run too. And he missed a chance for a big play in return. Aberdeers is a proven punt returner. He did it in the preseason, and he had a great he had a great training camp in preseason as a receiver. I, I don't I don't know what's why he's not playing, which leads me to believe that he possibly could be the odd man out. I, mean, I still think it's Hawkins here, but don't be shocked if it's Aberdeers. And then here's the real wild card here: What happens if Eddie Lacy can't play on Sunday night? Well, they got James Starks, and he really the only other option is Don Jackson on the practice squad. So either you elevate Jackson or you go sign somebody this week and, and coach him up as quick as you can. But either way, you gotta make a move there too. So that's uh they got some they got some issues here. It's a team with some depth, and you know, sometimes that depth becomes in jeopardy if you need go, if you need to go at a player. On the third down, and that's the play of the offensive line, and what a great night against the Giants by that group. No sacks. I can recall Rodgers kind of having to run for his life twice. Lane Taylor and Brian Balaga got beat, but otherwise. 47 dropbacks and no sacks and really two only severe pressures. Rodgers mostly had all night to all night in the pocket to do what he wanted to do. Now you can take the grades of Pro Football Focus for what they're worth, but according to their grading, uh, J.C. Treader, uh, the center, uh, le- uh, right guard T.J. Lang, left tackle David Bakhtiari finished among the top five in the week at their positions, and for the season, again, again according to PFF. Uh, the Packers O-line is the number one unit in the NFL in pass protection and number eight in run blocking. So that's that tells you a little something about how they performed. Uh, said Lang after the game on Sunday night, we knew it was going to be a big challenge. Obviously, their DNs are very, very good. Then you watch Hankins, the one, talking about one of their defensive tackles, Hankins. 
Then you watch Hankins on film and he abuses a lot of guys. We knew it was going to be a challenge, but Aaron was saying some stuff in the huddle. He thought the protection was pretty good, so that's something there. there so there's something there that we can keep building off of. And it wasn't just the pass protection, obviously. Eddie Lacy ran wild, what, 81 yards on 11 carries. And that was against the Giants defense entering the night, ranked third in the NFL in yards allowed per carry. You know, Lacy did a lot of it out of his zone with that 31 yard run. But even if you get rid of that, that's 10 carries for 50 yards the rest of the night, and that's five yards a carry. A hell of a night by the old line. Here's what Rodgers said after the game. I'm happy about the way that Eddie ran before the injury. We had a good night running the football against two premier pass rushers who were getting paid a lot of money. We did a good job. We took a couple shots, but other than that, it was a pretty clean night. I thought I moved well enough, but it didn't have to a lot of times. I could stay in the pocket, and that's a big credit to those guys up front. I asked Mike McCarthy um, yesterday if he's surprised about how that group has come together. Remember, they re uh, released Josh Sitton and replaced him with Lane Taylor at the end of training camp. And McCarthy said, quote, I had great confidence in Lane all along. I think we're playing better in the run game than we have probably in my time here. That group is really jolled. And two players who of note here based on you know semi-recent transaction, one left tackle, David Bakhtiari, who received that big contract extension, Four games, one sack allowed. That is big-time production considering left tackles generally get the opponent's best pass rusher and they get the blind side. And, you know, the thing about Bakhtiari, the Packers don't help him, and he is so darn good. And it's, it's, it's a great luxury and when you can go create a game plan and you don't have to worry about keeping a tight end in or running, sending a running back over there, chip a guy. Week after week after week, Bakhtiari gets his guy one-on-one -on -one and wins those matchups. And then Lane Taylor... Four games, no sacks, no penalties. He's not as good as Josh Sitton. He probably never will be as good as Josh Sitton. But there's really no knocking that this move has worked out probably better than any of us expected on the field-wise. On a fourth down, that'd be some injury updates. Two big ones from Sunday night, obviously. Running back Eddie Lacy missed the last 20 minutes or so with an injured ankle. Then wide receiver Randall Cobb took that big shot in the uh, back of the neck slash back of the head on that clinching catch in the fourth quarter. Uh, McCarthy said Lacey had some tests done. He won't know much more until they go to practice on Wednesday. Um, but here's the money line. I would say it's not serious. Although McCarthy wouldn't say if Lacey be ready to go for Sunday. But at least it's not serious. And uh, as for Cobb, McCarthy said that he's sore. Um, he had just talked to him and he's sore, but really nothing to, nothing to fear there. Also an in, a hamstring injury for safety Chris Banjo. You know, the big dealer with Lacey... We kind of mentioned this a second ago, is, is the depth in the backfield. Lacey is fourth in the NFL right now with 5.5 yards per carry. James Starks, 1.8 yards per carry. And that's up from the 0 0.8 entering the game. Um, wasn't especially productive on Sunday night either and fumbled as well, but he's a, he, he at least improved. <laughs> um, you know, I asked McCarthy about it, and he said, quote, I have no concerns about James. So, you know, I know me and Keith in our podcast last night or yesterday morning talked about Starks and, you know, where, where do they go if Lacey can't play? Because Starks has not done well. And you wonder if age 30, if he's kind of hit that running back wall that is, you know, that has gobbled up so many running backs over the years. Uh, but McCarthy said that he has no concerns. Then again, I'm not sure what McCarthy would say because at this point, Starks is the only option. Here's Rodgers after the game on both those guys. Speaking of Lacey first, he goes, he ran the ball really well tonight. He had some pretty incredible second and third effort runs. I mean, 
Guys just kind of bounce off of him, it seems like. The crowd enjoys it a little bit too much at times when we're on offense. They start chanting his name, but we love the energy that he brings, our offense. Then to Starks, he goes, we feel great about James Starks. I missed him a couple times on screens that could have been bigger gains, but he ran the ball pretty well. Maybe he should have kept that last one inside, but we have a lot of faith in James if Eddie Lacy's down. That's why you've got to have two backs in this league. On Randall Cobb, boy, that, that injury didn't look really good. It didn't look good to me in the press box. That kind of was basically right below us. So it didn't look good to us up in the press box, and it certainly didn't, didn't look good to the Packers' sideline. They quickly swarmed around Cobb. Cobb saw that and thought that he had died or something, which is a, which is a pretty funny line. But here's McCarthy and Cobb from Monday. It didn't look very good. It didn't look very good live, and it didn't look very good on a film. Unnecessary but he's going to be fine. Cobb obviously has a great game, and, and they don't win that game without him on Sunday night. Basically matches season production. Nine catches for 108 yards. It would have been even more had that touchdown pass not been called back by an illegal shift that ticked off Rodgers. Here's a great stat that came up with yesterday. Take the total of 18 games they played in 2014 plus the two playoff games, or the, the first two games of 2015. That's 20 games. In that 20-game span, he had seven 100-yard games. In the 19 games since week two of last year, he had zero. So that's the kind of funk that Cobb broke out of yesterday or Sunday night. Here was Rodgers from after the game on Sunday. I wasn't sure how many opportunities that Randall would get, but the way things fell, he ended up getting a lot of opportunities and made the most of them. He had two fantastic plays, in my opinion. The catch there on third and long that he turned to a 17-yard gain on the second-to-last drive, and then the catch there at the end of the game. He's an extremely tough, tough individual. He's an incredible teammate, and I'm really proud to call him a friend. He played his butt off today. I mean, he was excellent. Took some shots, took a shot on the should-have-been touchdown, and took a shot there at the end. And on a night when Jordy Nelson, you know, I think, I think, I think Nelson caught 4 of 13 and had two drops, you know, on a night where really the only thing going, or where I should say when when the only thing that was going in your passing game was Jordy Nelson, and that's not going. Randall Cobb really stepped up and saved the day. And if they can get Nelson and Cobb going on a consistent basis and keep this running game going with this old line, this offense has a chance to be really, really good. They just have to finally put it together, and at some point you wonder, are they ever going to put it together? Because we're on about a year of talking about this. And that will do it for this episode of Locked On Packers. Once again, thank you for listening. Subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and the Android app. And please check out my work at PackerReport.com. New subscribers, if you subscribe for one month, type in the promo code PackReport21. Not PackerReport, but PackReport21 and get a free month. Once again, thank you for listening. Have a great day, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. The list.